You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is on principle challenges in Jewish education. You know, sometimes uh, you have to go really far uh, and work really hard to find people that can illuminate and explain. And you really have to get out your Rolodex and go really, really far. But for tonight, I only had to go across the street because my dear, dear friend, uh, who has lived, I've lived across, I've had the schools of living across the street from him. Um, and I thought about it and I said, this is a man who knows his education and his Jewish education. And I have the big schools here to be with uh, Mr. J. Buxbaum, who many of you know from uh, myriad radio appearances on the Nochum Siegel Show and other places, as the executive vice president of Kedem Foods, Kedem Wines, and a very special uh, title that you hold, right, Jay? It's the director of education uh, for wines, correct? Director of wine education, yes. Okay, director of wine education. And you were the first person in the Kedem and the dynasty in the Kedem dynasty for the many years that the that the Royal Wine Company has been around. You're the first person to really hold that 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 title, a an educator. I think I'm the first person who ever had the title, not only for Kedem but for the world. You know, for Jews. <laughs> Does Gallo? You think Gallo has a wine educator? Oh, yeah, of, course, of course, yeah. yeah. The, the the non-Jewish companies, all of them have. Uh-huh. I mean, so, the bigger. Yeah. So, so Jay, look, we're, we're 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 good friends, and and we've davened together, we've been together, we've danced together. Um, but and and of course, I've seen you at work sometimes doing your stuff, uh, and I know that uh, you are a uh, an educator uh, a, a par excellence in this way. But the reason why I wanted to speak with you, and I think maybe our listeners might be interested, not just because they might want to know how to pick out a good wine, but you took a subject that for many people is somewhat, I don't know if it's obtuse, but it's something uh, beyond most meat and potato people, right? Most meat and potato yeshiva show or even just regular Joe lunch pails don't know really much about how wines are made and what how to pick out a good wine and what's considered uh, uh, a mila in wine. And you are able to reach them. You're able basically to do what all good educators can do. Take a subject which seems to be unfamiliar and beyond them and making it real and live with them uh, to the point that they actually feel good about it and feel that they now understand it and want to know more. Did I put it correctly, Jay? You did. You put it correctly. And you're right. Uh, There's something, sadly, until recently, and even recently, there's something mysterious, esoteric, beyond, you know, beyond what most people think is their capacities to understand about wine and kosher wine specifically, that is really not so, not so esoteric, not so mysterious. And all you have to do is first start with that premise that it isn't esoteric, it isn't that mysterious. And, you know, nobody, nobody has problems understanding a good broiled steak, you know. Or a good cholent, you know, but uh, when it you know it's too salty, it's too light, it doesn't have enough uh, barley, it has too many beans. Fine, nobody has a problem with that. But somehow, people have this problem with wine, and you really shouldn't have to. So, yeah, I, I try to you know distill it to a much more 
distill <laughs> specifically distilling it so 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 look i know that listen i know that a lot of what you do is use the familiar to present the unfamiliar right start with things that people know like about brochos about halochos things that are that that everybody has a basic concept of and it's from there i think that you build that you build your presentations right you start with because you don't start way up there but you start in a way that i guess grabs them um so so for example let's say um you have uh, i know you've done in many hotels and right like, like a lot of times you'll you'll you'll, you'll spend the whole shvuas uh, or or pesach or whatever it is um helping educate those those potential consumers for what is a, a good wine for them so and so to just break it down to simply what would how would you start uh like like you know a person who knows he knows how to make kiddish on shabbos but that's about it how, how do you start educating them like give me a sense of how you begin that so so the sim- the simplest thing i start with is by you know people ask me all the time jay how do you know the difference between all these wines and like the good jewish person that i am i ask a rhetorical question back and that is how many people in this room by a raise of hands knows the difference between Coca-Cola and ShopRite Cola. And of course, 80% of the room raises their hands. And then I ask them a second question. How many people here know the difference between Tropicana, orange juice, and, you know, orange juice from concentrate? And most of the people raise their hand. And I, I, I put the question back on them. How do you know the difference? And the answer invariably is, well, we drink a lot of it. Now, that's not to say that I'm encouraging over drinking, but, you know, if you have a glass of wine on a regular basis, which, you know, more and more um, studies have shown that it, it, it has because, especially in red wine, because of the um, uh, antioxidants, et cetera, it, prolong, it may prolong life. Uh, you know, it's just simple as that. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be, you know, a mumcha. You don't have to go to school for years or months or, or, or decades to learn about wine. Of course, that's always helpful. But, you know, just taste wine. And I'm not saying drink, but taste wine on a regular basis. And eventually, you'll, you'll, your, your taste buds will acquire more of a hush for it. We're talking about hush of a good wine, you know? Right. And, 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 and obviously, it's, it's important, I think, people to know that, you know, you, the, the reason Ketam hired you is, of course, to increase their sales, right? That's part of it, is to get you to people to buy wine, but also to be appreciative of wine, appreciate the, and, and, and to want to, to make that, that understanding part of their families. Um, you know, I asked you a question before, you know, when I asked you about uh, coming on the show, and, and it was an, you gave me a very interesting answer, because, you know, I've taught the Gemara and Psalchim often, about um, the Gemara says that, of course, for the for the Seder, for the Dalit Kosos, the Gemara says to use red wine because Alteriyayin Kiyas Adem, the Pasuk says, don't get, um, uh, become, don't become uh, entranced by wine because it's red, because of its red color, indicating that red wine is the more, is the better wine. But the post can say, and I think it's in the Gemara Mefurish as well, that if uh, if if the if if white wine is more mishubach, if white wine is more mishubach, then you should you could use white wine or you should use white wine. And I asked you earlier today, Jay, um, how you understood that because you know I, you know I used to read in in the uh, Wall Street Journal they used to have a wine. Um, 
uh, I guess a, a bunch of wine experts talk. I forgot who it was, a husband and wife team. You probably yes, remembered. I knew well. right? There was a husband and wife team that would talk about their wines. And I, I didn't know any, it just was so, the writing was so fun, the way they would write about it, that I enjoyed reading it. I don't know if I really gained anything from it, but it, but it struck me that people... By the way, they were a Jewish couple. She was black, he was white. They were not observant, but they were a Jewish couple. She had com- converted. How or what? I'm not really sure, but yeah. very, very nice people. And, and, and they would, again, like you, they would take a subject which most people didn't know much about. And since they were writing about it with such love and such warmth, it sort of made you want to understand what they were really talking about. So I, when I so when I taught that Gamar, I was thinking, hmm, you know, I wish I had I wish I could channel some of that to understand what's a good wine. And you gave me a very interesting answer that you said you heard from some post. And what, what, what was this you heard? First translate that word exactly from the Hebrew. Which one? Meshubach. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Imu yoser meshubach. If it's more, meshubach is something that would be praised. The word meshubach means it's something that people give praise to. It's meshubach, right? Like a shevach is something that it's a praise. So I specifically asked that question because you know, people who, and I have this all the time, I, uh, you know, to let a little secret out, Baruch Hashem, since I have a very busy household, as you well know, and since, thank God, we have a lot of children coming in and out all the time, and a lot of guests coming in and out all the time, I invariably make Kiddush on grape juice, not on wine. And the reason for that is because, you know, if I took a really, for me, what would be for me, a really wonderful, expensive, not expensive, but a really wonderful wine, forget, forget the cost for a moment, uh, whether it be red or white, and, and half the people at the table, when I give them a sip, they would turn their no- nose up at it and go, oh, hey, this is, this is sour, then what have I accomplished? We want to make the Kiddush a pleasant experience. So yes, I'll pull out a, a very good fine, for what for me is a Meshubach, uh, you know, a dinner wine, but for Kiddush, if it's a, a varied group, if it's a really good wine drinkers group, then you're right. I'll start with a, a really nice bottle of wine that we'll all enjoy throughout the meal. But if it's a varied group, I'll start with grape juice and then have. So the point that I'm trying to make with that story, with that anecdote or with that you know, perspective is, is that Meshubach, if, if you're going to enjoy, if you're going to go, ah, this is a wonderful white wine, red, ah, you know, it's not really, you know, if you're going to praise a white wine, as I understand it, and I always, I always have this disclaimer, ask your local rabbi, <laughs> but if you're going to really enjoy a white wine better and you're going to have it mishubach for you, that's what I think, I think what the Gemara, as I've been taught, that's what the Gemara is referring to. What some people do because of the red aspect is they drop in a few drops of red wine into a white wine and so it gives a little red, reddish color and then you have, you still have that Meshubach wine for you of white with a little color. But again, I would, you know, as I understand it, Meshubach is what you consider Meshubach, not what is praised by all, what, what you would, would uh, be, would find yeah, praiseworthy. Yeah. Right. I, I, I'll tell you, I've, I've, I've asked people about it and I haven't gotten a clear answer about it. Something, so tell, something tells me though, Jay, again, my guts tell me that there is some ob- of something, there's an objective and obviously you you come from a world of experts. So f- from your perspective, there is an objective better wine than something else, right? I mean, so- Yes, but that, there is definitely better wine than, uh, than objective. Well, 
at least according to the wine speak people. But but we're talking about halachically what Meshubach right, is. That's right. right, but again, I'm not going to argue halacha with you. It could be, Jay, that that in no. the world of wine, Mevinim, that you are in the Jewish world, one of the tops, there is a yeah. sense of, and, and find out what that is. Because remember, part of the Seder is to be a, like a melech, right? Part of the yeah. Seder is to sort of sort of adapt a type of attitude that you maybe wouldn't have the rest of the year. So really, you know, from the way I'm looking at it, hmm, you know, <laughs> I don't want it to, I don't want to make a grimace when I, when I drink it, but if it's something that re- is the type of thing that a, 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 an expert would have, an aristocrat would have, in a way, I've actually beautified my Seder by, by having something me'ena melech. Anyway, that's just my take on it, but, but, but even if, even if I'm not right, Clearly, the objective of what you do for Kedem is to bring people closer to where you are, right? To you, they're not going to they're not going to be you, but they're at least going to be closer to what your understanding is than beforehand. Which I would say again, all good teachers try to do. They 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 have a, a repository of knowledge, and they want that knowledge to be not scary and to bring people into it. And um, Jay, let me ask you something: Are you finding? Um, in your new young balabatim, that the old, that the obviously something that tastes good is great. Are you finding you need new tricks for the younger generation? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Are you finding that the young yeah, balabas need something think, different than ten years ago? I think I think uh, what the young balabas is interested in is always something new, something better, something more classy, something richer, something more flavorful, uh, something more complex something more layered, uh, and, and really there is, it's very beautiful, there is a real thirst for knowledge in, in both food and wine, but certainly in wine, and yes, the answer is yes, and, you know, I tell people, you know, I, I cannot tell you how many people say, you know, I started out with Concord, started out with extra heavy Malaga, I started out with cream red Concord, and then slowly I will tell them, well, try the Chenin Blanc, which is off dry, or try the Moscato, which is really well-made, you know, the blue bottle Bartonura Moscato, which is really well-made, well-balanced, semi-dry wine. And then from there, you can go to a less, to, you know, I'm sorry, it's a semi-sweet wine. Then you can go to a semi-dry wine. Then you can go to a dry white wine. Then you can go to a, you know, a richer, more flavorful, more fruit-forward red wine. And so it's, it's like step-by-step, step, like with any with any learning process, um, you know. Except this one is experiential as well, right? Correct. Jay, do you, do you find that in order to bring them towards, you know, your level or close to it, do you find that you need to explain, like, how this is made and the difference between the grapes and how long this ferments? And do you think people, people appreciate it when you get technical about the processes of things? I, I, the first thing I do is make it, make the technical aspect very simple. And I use something that I call the five S's and the five S's are very simple. I go to a room where everybody's pre-poured a glass of red or white wine. It doesn't matter. And I tell them, just remember the five S's. The first S is the S of sight. So if you remember these five S's, you can become an expert winemaker literally in five minutes. <laughs> the first S is the S of sight. And what you're looking for is color and clarity. You're looking for, in white wine, you're looking for bright colors and not brown, not oxidized looking. And you're looking for clarity, meaning nothing floating around. In red wine, you're also looking for not floating around, but you also don't want it browning. You want it bright. 
either red or maroon or burgundy. Um, um, and then for, after the S of sight, you have the S of swirl. And the reason you do the swirl, and I explain this to people, is to aerate the wine more so that as you swirl it and it, it opens it up, it, it exposes more of the surface of the wine to air, which allows more esters, more aromatics to escape. And so the second thing is swirl. The third one is smell, which is, which is perfect because it follows the swirl. And in the S of smell, you're looking for pleasant aromas. And in fact, what you're really looking for is not only pleasant aromas, but aromas you can identify. A little woodiness, a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of blackberry or cherry or chocolate and some, you know, it gives you the sensation of some chocolate or spice or, or forest floor or, you know, things like that. So that's the S of, of smell. Then you have the S of savor. And actually, it's really the T of taste, but because, <laughs> because it's not an S, we use the word I savor. Understand savor yeah. you know? And the S of savor is where you twist the mind amount around in your entire mouth, meaning you, you coat your entire tongue with it because different, and I, I show this on the chart, that different parts of your tongue have different sized taste buds, different shaped taste buds, one of which, or some of which in certain areas will taste sugar better than acid. So others will taste uh, what, what they call anamami better than uh, flatness and so on and so forth. So you want to, like, like you do with, uh, like you do with mouthwash. You actually right. literally want to, you know. You don't want to, you don't want to chug the wine. You want to actually allow yeah, it to, allow it to flow to in your mouth completely. Right. And then, and, and again, you want to identify flavors that you, you already know. And if not, try to, you know, over time, you'll, you'll realize that Chardonnays all taste, have this one aspect that are similar. Cabernets have this one aspect that is similar. Merlots have this one aspect. Pinot Noirs have this one aspect that is similar. Over time, just like I said about Coca-Cola versus ShopRite Cola or, you know, Tropicana versus uh, concentrated orange juice. And then the last, so you have the S of sight. Let's start with the, the first. Sight, swirl, smell, savor. And finally, the last S is the S of either spit or swallow. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but people, professionals who taste wine spit all the time because they could taste, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 wines in a day professionally. And if you would drink every one of them, by the time you got to the 12th wine, you wouldn't be able to taste anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. So we do actually spit quite a bit. And, uh, and so, and then I, I just did it in three minutes. I usually do it in front of a crowd in about eight <laughs> minutes, but there you go. And then people, if you could remember those five S's, the next time you sit down to your Shabbos meal, just go through those five S's and guess what? The whole experience will be much better. The whole right. experience. Right. So you were machadish these five S's or you took it from somebody else? I, I know when I was a teacher, I, I, when I was a teacher, just tell you, Jay, yeah. they, they told us steal whatever you can from anybody else to teach. Did you invent these five S's? You got this from somebody? No, I, I didn't invent these five S's, but I have, um, I don't want to say improved on him. I have. You, you have know, your version of the five S's, exactly. the way you do it. Yeah, but like it's pretty, it's pretty, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good standard stuff. I, I'll tell you what I find is a big challenge in wine. Uh, and and I, I'm sure you, you deal with this as well. Is, is I'll do another S, the storage. <laughs> the storage of the wine I find is difficult. Like 
you get, especially after Purim, when you get loads and loads of bottles, you know, where do you keep them? Like, where are you supposed, where, where, so, what's the best place to keep bottles I keep of wine? My, I keep my wines in my cellar. At a certain temperature, right? Cordoned off. I actually cordoned off an area of my basement to a wine room. And I do have an air conditioner down there in that room. But most of the time, if your cellar is below the surface, It'll keep within a five degree range, whether it's summer or winter, usually. Now, if not, I wouldn't, I would get, I would say to get yourself a small wine fridge, which carries about, I don't know, anywhere between three and, and five cases. Uh, or don't, don't buy a lot of wine, buy it as you need it. Buy three or four bottles, no, so I, leave it. So I would say a lot of times, a lot of times people don't appreciate the wines because let's say, I know I get, let's say 10 or 12 bottles in the old days um, by Purim. And then they would sit there and my shruas, I'd go out to my, you know, I'd go out to the uh, the steps, the back steps to get the bottle of wine, but it's been sitting sometimes in heat, sometimes in, in, two, in, 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 in inclement weather or whatever it is. And by that time, uh, you probably aren't good. You're not, no matter how sealed the wine is, it's not going to. That's, why I, that tell, that's why I tell you two things, Rabbi. Number one, if you get 10, 12 bottles of wine and it's still around by Shruis, <laughs> you got a problem. You know, you should be drinking it on a regular basis. You, yeah. you should be going through those 10, 12 bottles of wine within four, five, six weeks at the most. Right. But that's, the, that's, the, that's the other question. Right? A lot of times. You don't have to leave it. Don't leave it on the back steps. Leave it in the basement, in a corner, away from vibration, away from, you know, your boiler, away from light. And most of the time, it should be okay, even, you know, seven, eight, ten, even uh, six months later. Right. So and here's the other thing that happens. And uh, I, I don't have an S for this, but um, I'll call it, I'll use a, a Hebrew word, shirayim. Um, many times, you know, it's it's a great occasion, you know. You're you're celebrating uh, the 40th anniversary or whatever it is. You open up the wine you you and your wife like, and you each one of you take a takes a a cup, and then you have half of the bottle left, and that happens to us all the time. Not that we drink all the time, but a lot of times on a special occasion we'll open up the bottle, but we don't finish it, and then we have we have <laughs> an assemblage of half open of, of of half full bottles of wine, and then. A, a month or two later, we just pour them all out because what are they doing sitting there? So I, I have, What's the best eights when you can't finish a bottle in one shot? I have I have two eights for you. Number one, uh, usually wines will last at least a few days and still retain their complete quality. Sometimes they are actually increasing in quality. And number two, Brenda uses those wines all the time for cooking. Throw it into anything. Yeah. Anything. I mean, you're making a soup. Put in, put in a quarter of a cup. You even you're making a, certainly a chicken or a roast or a, I don't know, even whatever a sauce with your pasta, you know, whatever. Put in, you know. I even I I was on a kick for a while of only having vegetables, and I would saute onions, you know, in a in a Teflon type of pan, and I would saute onions with beans and vegetables and all the stuff. And I would put in half a cup of wine that was taka left over from Shabbos. And, uh, and that, that is a really delicious way to use those wines. I seem to remember, maybe it was in those uh, Wall Street Journal articles, but I definitely seem to remember there's a whole machlekes, what is the best way to, to keep that wine? The, 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 I, I think the, um, the industry, the food 
protection industry, I know what it's called, has has developed all these type of stoppers. Do any of them work well? Is there anything like what do you do? Do you, you can it's hard to put that cork back. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Not in my opinion. None of them work well. I, I again I suggest try to finish it within a few <laughs> days. Yeah. Enjoy it with your hamburger on Tuesday night or your <laughs> spaghetti on Wednesday night and uh and or use it in I don't think any of them really work that well, honestly. Let me ask you something, Jay, and, and let's, you know, as, as we wind down here, clearly, as this discussion has shown, I mean, this is your bread and butter. You didn't need to prep for this program. But what about other types of spirits, as they're called? Do you find that you have gained, like, like, like people ask me, let's say in halacha, okay, this is your area. Like, what do you know about Kabbalah? What do you know about uh, international dateline? Or what do you know about questions of shameless begitten if if i know you're an expert here are you also a connoisseur of different types of liqueurs and different not, t- go ahead yeah or scotches and stuff like that or have you stuck specifically in wine so my expertise is primarily in wine but i will tell you that as you practice and i believe it's probably the same with uh, learning tire of all kinds as you practice and as you train your palate to recognize different flavors, not only do you become an expert, not an expert, more of a knowledgeable on what bourbons or scotches differences are and the good ones and the bad ones, simply because you've trained your palate to note different nuances of flavor, but even you also become more of an expert on food because again, you're, you're training your palate to note these different flavors and so on, uh, you know, and so on. I, I'd like to, if we are, if we are like, you know, rounding up, I'd like to leave with, you know, two notes of caution or two insights into kosher wine that I see a lot of people making, you know, making, I don't want to say errors because I don't like use negative terms, but not knowing about one. And I mentioned this to you. Is it okay with you, Rabbi, if sure, I share this? Sure, of course, 100%. Okay, one is that, you know, on Shabbos, when most most Jewish households drink their wine, and most people generally do not drink wine the rest of the week, which is sad enough, but it's, it's happening more and more. There's more and more wine being drunk during the week. But when they go out to dinner, they'll have wine. So what happens on Shabbos? The head of the household makes Kiddush. You say Amen. Then you go wash. You, you know, you make a motzi. And everybody eats and everybody's poured wine and there's no bracha made on the wine, of course, because you're already yotze with the kiddush from the balabas. But when you go to a, when you go out to dinner, many people don't realize that the motzi that you're making does not cover the wine. It covers the meat and it covers the vegetables. And there's a question whether it covers the dessert or not, but it doesn't cover the wine. So please don't make that mistake. Just because you don't make the bracha during the meal on wine on Shabbos, doesn't mean you shouldn't be making the bracha at, at uh, when you're at the dinner. The second thing is... Very, very fine halachic point, Jay, and uh, obviously it's a, a simon mefurish and shulchan aruch, but as I told you earlier today, people just have to know, people have to learn hilchas brachas properly, and I think the, part of the problem is they learn it when they're little kids and it's not explained to them in the theme. It's just, this is what you do. I think education is all, it's all about education. And and, 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 the, and the last, the, the, the other point is many, but the other point, and I cannot tell you how many times this happened to me, people who, you know, know that I'm a, a mumcha on wine, so to speak, come back from Eretz Yisrael and they go, Jay, 
I bought, I had a wine this Shabbos that I bought in duty-free from Eretz Yisrael, from a small winery. It was fantastic. And I'll tell him, I'll ask him which wine, they'll tell me, and I'll say, Ziskai, Bubala, the wine is not certified kosher. So just because I just would like right. to urge so why don't you, you why don't you explain to people what I mean I know but in what ways would wine produced in Eretz Yisrael like what can go into wine that would make it non kosher so why it would be it would it wouldn't be any different than any place else if wine made in California if it's not handled by an observant Jew from the crushing of the grape until the sealing of the bottle or from the crushing of the grape until the wine is mavushel then the wine is yain stam according to you know, the Misnagadisha Poiskin. Right. Okay? right. right. Which it's is not acceptable, which is not kosher. Mamish is not kosher. Right. right. Some, according to Spider, it's even Nesach. Okay. And in Eretz Yisrael, you have the same situation where a lot of the small boutiques are not under certification. They're handled by non observant Jewish people, or in some rare cases, even by Arabs that are workers in the winery. Mm-hmm. So that would render the wine completely not kosher. Right. So that's. So I, I, and just because it has. Hebrew lettering on it, and it says, you know, whatever. So it's it says, made in Israel, right? Made also, in Israel doesn't mean right. that it's kosher. Please be careful. That's right. All. The other thing, of course, would be another, and just adding to that, and I, I actually wanted to touch on one other point here, Jay, and I know we said we're going to wrap it up, but there's one other point I wanted to add. It, but adding to what you just said, of course, is the problem of Trumas and Maestros and other things, which many of the, the right, the non-religious, the uh, right, right. So we're going to talk about Shvi's in a second, but the, but basically when it talks about Trumas and Maestros and taking off Maestro Shani and other things, uh, that's done normally at every uh, kosher winery under Ashkocha, but the ones that are not, that don't have Ashkocha, so basically, again, you're you're eating, you're drinking Tevel, the Rabbonon, uh, even though we say Trumas and Maestros might be, it might even be Daraisa Bismanazeh, so it might even be, according to those, according to the Rambam, it might be Midaraisa, and if it's Daraisa Bismanazeh, it's Tevel Daraisa. That's a very big iser. A Tevel Daraisa, Yechayv Kares for it. So it's a big one. Right. That's even worse right. than uh, Stam Yenam, Yechayv Kares. Right. And of course, the other thing was, and, and, and I noticed this about seven years, you know, I've been your neighbor for, since 2007, Jay. So we've actually, we've gone through, this is going to be, um, our 15th year. So we've actually um, gone, I think, through th- two three, three. Right. Well, this is going to be the third one coming up. Right, right. The right. Third, right. But I've done right. two Shemitahs with you. And I remember uh, at the last Shemitah, I remember you used your bully pulpit as a way not only to inform people about the greatness of the your partners in Eretz Yisrael, but also highlighting uh, your, 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 your partners or the, your co- I don't know what you would call it, the, the people that you work together with in Eretz Yisrael to produce great wine, about how much Messiris Nefesh went into keeping Shemitah properly, and that the wine that was being produced was was also under the halachas of, of Eitzr Bezdin, or whatever, any of the halachas of, of Shemitah Kehilchasa. So you, and, and, and I know that that was a wonderful thing, because everybody wants to drink the wine, but they also, I know, got a lesson. Just, in, to, be, just to be crystal clear, Crystal clear, Kedem and the Herzog family will not ever, uh, ever, ever is, uh, thank God, a long time, but will not ever, have not, will not, and do not ever intend to bring in wine from Eretz Yisrael, from the Shemitah year, even if it has, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 what he called Bezdin, even, Be- even if it's from considered Eitzer Bezdin, which yeah, gives you a hatter. Because 
and I spoke to Rabbi Taitz about this, there's two problems. Even if it, it goes through Aitzabezdin or Hetamachira or any of these, and even if it has a good Ashtacha in that respect, there's another problem of taking holy wine out of Eretz Yisrael. Right, this is quite right. Taking, right. So the Paris, even if you could eat them in Eretz Yisrael, that's one Madrega. It's better, of course, and many of our wineries just lay, shut down. But even if you're going to make it under proper rabbinic, you know, direction, taking it out of Eretz Yisrael is yet another problem. And we do not. Pedim and the Herzog family will never bring a wine from Eretz Yisrael that is, that is in, that is, you know, it is from the Shkita vintage. Uh-huh. And so I remember, though, you were promoting that winery that was, that was based on their keeping of Shvias, right? So what, what it, right. so, so. They shut down. Aha. Uh-huh. So in other words, so basically they shut down production and right. you wanted to encourage people to buy stuff from their old, from, from what they had yeah. from, this, from the year before. From two years, for two vintages before Shemitah, we urge our wineries, all of them, I mean, ones from Eric Control, American wineries or Italian, French, don't, don't have that problem. But we urge our wineries to increase production and increase their allocation of wines to us. And we accumulate enough to get us through the Shemitah year. Um, that's great. Uh, I, I, I was right. I was confused, but thank you for for elaborating. I know that again. I know in Eretz Yisrael, as you say, Eitzur Bezdin. Uh, even the Badats has a, a hechsher on some of the Eitzur Bezdin stuffs. And I, I, like you say, there is. It's a definitely intense halachic. Uh, mostly, mostly the ones I believe that are uh, good according to the most stringent are Yuval Nachri, I believe, but I'm not sure. You know, you'd have to check. Right, because it has a combination of heter mechira plus. You're saying because it's. You've no, by a guy, a guy, I believe, as I understand it, you know, if it's if a yid is not. Uh, In other words, the 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 wine is is based on uh, from vineyards that are owned by non-Jews. Correct. Correct. Right. right. Whether they were sold the land or not, they was actually from 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 areas that were owned by non-Jews. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.